Sources is a podcast made by women for women. We talk with a wide variety of experts, ranging from a sex therapist to the CDC and everywhere in between to bring you the stories you're only going to hear here. Our goal is to entertain and educate because it's more clear now than ever just how much we as women are doing as parents, as spouses, employees, just as everything. Don't miss out on being in the know. Subscribe to Soul Source wherever you listen to podcasts today. Leave us a review too, because this part's really important. When you leave those reviews, that's how we're able to continue bringing you the content you love each and every week. So buckle up, Soul Source Society, because we're about to get started. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Soul Source with Katie and Tracy. You are all in for a treat today because we are going to be talking about our vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, don't worry, we'll try not to get too weird. <laughs> <laughs> right? Nope, definitely won't. <laughs> and we know it's not going to get too weird because this topic is not too often talked about. But what you're going to learn next week on Soul Source. Um, which is an episode with Raquel and Dr. Nicole Williams. It's not our fault that this topic of vaginas (laughs) sounds so crazy. There is just so much about our own bodies that we have not been taught about. Very true. Like (sighs) legit have not been taught, taught like next to nothing. I remember, okay, let me think. When I was maybe like, 11 or 12 um my mom did put me in like a class to talk about like periods and everything as you were like getting to that age so like I learned how like tampons worked you would like Mm -hmm. fill a cup with water and like stick a tampon in it and like see it expand and like just things like that (laughs) super helpful for when you need to use it (laughs) but even then that wasn't even in school that was like a specific class that my mom like brought me to Um, but yeah, throughout like high school, even when you have like health education and everything, I wasn't taught hardly anything that I remember as it relates to like my reproductive health, my vagina, my cervix, my uterus. And now that I'm like full into an adulthood, there's a lot of information that I needed to know that I then had to go. I feel like maybe you see pictures and you know, there's this is a fallopian tube and you kind of see a diagram. Yeah. But how it all actually works and works together or doesn't work in kind of both of our cases at some level or another, um, that's not explained. No, it's not. And it, it's so interesting that it's not too, because it's something that every single woman go, every single woman goes through every single month with this repetitive cycle. And there's, like different types of discharge throughout your cycle that literally tells you where you're at and your temperature changes in your cycle with how your hormones change. None of this stuff I ever learned until um, I got to the age where like my husband and I wanted to have a baby and Mm -hmm. I, you know, when we first tried to conceive Cass, it was taking a while. And I think it's because I didn't understand exactly how everything worked because I think when you're in school they really stress that it's like if you have unprotected sex you're gonna get pregnant and it's like it's actually not that easy and you see people where that does happen too so it's kind of one of those things where you put your like yep it's time to have a baby let's have a baby and I think that does work for some people I'm I'm still I think sometimes it's a little simpler for some people to conceive than others but yes very true there's a lot of science that we there is (laughs) 
I know didn't so, know about. Oh my goodness. I know so much about my uterus now, guys. It's it's absolutely insane. Um and like <laughs> useful knowledge, I guess, but I ended up finding this online community of a lot of women who are at the same point in their life where, you know, they were they were trying to conceive, maybe having troubles. And um yeah, you end up learning that you can um, you know, what they call your like BBT, which is like your basal body temperature that you can take every single morning. And um you can you're usually at a lower temperature in the first half of your cycle. And then once you ovulate, progesterone starts rising and your temp spikes up and that confirms that you ovulated. And if you didn't ovulate, that could be an indication that you should probably see your doctor because you're not ovulating. But it's very, very interesting to see it on the chart of actually seeing like how your body is working. Like tracking it. Yes. And then it, it ends up going with like, you know, cervical mucus too. No one likes to talk about that because I think a lot of times growing up, you just think like the only thing that's coming out of your vagina is like your period and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. It happens every single day and that's cyclical too. So it's like during your follicular phase, which is the first half of your cycle, you're going to have a different type of discharge. And then once you're nearing ovulation, it becomes very, very different so that you know that that's going to start happening. So if you want to conceive, that's an indication that you should start getting busy. Um, (laughs) And then after ovulation, your discharge changes again. Um, And that like throughout your entire cycle, it can be very, very different. And so if you Mm -hmm. don't know that that discharge is normal, it can be a little nerve-wracking of like a do I have an infection probably not it's just normal normal and telling of a lot of things yeah there's a lot of reasons for why it changes and yeah totally interesting and I I agree with you too we um when we were our first pregnancy ended up actually being an atopic pregnancy um, and I had to have an emergency surgery, and they removed one of my fallopian tubes. And I remember being frightened beyond all belief that, like, I wouldn't be able to have a baby because I only have one fallopian tube. Am I only going to be able to conceive every other month? Because I've been told that an egg comes from one side one month, the other side oh, the other sure. month, one side one month, one like. That's how it works. Guess what? That's not how it works. No, (laughs) I didn't learn that until I had to have emergency surgery and lose one of them. Right. And then I was told that your body is amazing. And it, the one tube that I had left, it just like compensates and takes over and moves. And turns out that picture that they always show you of like, you know, two tubes and yeah, <laughs> off to the side. Like that is a lot more of a like a tentacle that can just like move around and catch catch eggs. <laughs> I thought so I truly thought it was like actually connected to my ovaries. Yeah, and it's not. But I only had been shown a picture, so it's exactly. just like oh my gosh. It's very interesting. There's so much we just don't know. Exactly huh. of like literally a major organ and like <laughs> it. It is fascinating and I even in the past year I've just learned so much about my uterus that I kind of never thought I would learn about so uh, Tracy knows but I'll I'll give a brief summary to the the 
listeners here, um, but I was bored with a defective uterus. Didn't know that was a thing. Hmm. Never, bo- never bothered me with conceiving my my son or whatever. But um, you know, unfortunately, this past year, I ended up having six miscarriages. It's been a very, very hard year, but in a much better place because when we did all of these tests and everything, you can test for hormones and all of that stuff. You can test for blood disorders, all of that stuff. Everything was coming up normal great not so great when you want to answer until we finally found out that my uterus had a septum that (laughs) you're born with it's a birth defect um and it essentially is an avascular piece of tissue at the top of your uterus that doesn't allow blood supply um which is not great when you are you know trying to grow a baby and Mm -hmm. so i didn't even i've never even heard of this septum being a thing um and then you fall down a rabbit hole of hearing all of these different uteruses so i had a broad partial septum but you can also have a complete septum which is like splits the uterus in two and then you can have like an arcuate uterus which is like a heart-shaped uterus but not a vascular so not the same thing as a septum and then you can have a bicornuate uterus which is pretty much like splits the uterus in two but again not the same as a septum and you can have some people have like just half of a uterus and like people can have babies and just half of uterus it's absolutely bonkers and then what they were able to do for me was they didn't even unlike you so you had an ectopic surgery where they actually had to do an incision Mm -hmm. they have really cool technology where they were able to do my surgery hysteroscopic so they were able to go through the vagina through the cervix and they were able to basically cut away this tissue without ever having to like make any incision um didn't even know that was a thing i've never heard of it before and then this online community that i was talking about then you know you go and find people that can support you because it's it is somewhat rare so like i didn't know anyone personally that has gone through something like this and i really really needed to just like not feel like i was someone with three eyes yeah 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 so i found this online community and there's so many women talking about their weird shaped uteruses (laughs) and stuff like that and it's just so much yes And so then, yeah, I love that. It's very, very cool. And I was like, I'm just thinking back like a few years ago where I'm like, I had no idea what Mm -hmm. my body was doing every single month. And it's actually really cool to see the signs and symptoms every single month to see what's working um, or like how things are working and how things are fluctuating. I mentioned before, so this doesn't really happen to me. But again, so you have after you ovulate, you have this luteal phase where progesterone rises and that can cause like sore boobs and everything. And some women, it can actually like make your boobs swell and grow for like half of your cycle. So I've heard of some people who have two different bra sizes where they'll wear one in the first half of their cycle. And then after ovulation, they have to put on their bigger bras and everything. Like these are things no one talks about. And it's actually super common. Yeah, I would think if I was... If that was happening to me, that definitely something had to be wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, I know. And it's so comforting, though, too, to, like, um, find a community like that or find friends or women that you can just, like, talk about this stuff because it's 100%, like, common to be... Yeah. I think it's to be experiencing it, but then also to be a little bit afraid to ask about it because it's... I don't know. I think we just have been kind of taught that that's like private and you don't talk about it you know so it's it's just 
it's it's hard it's hard because then it's like Mm -hmm. i i feel like your natural reaction then if like maybe there's like an odor that you don't know is normal or like you just had a baby is like is is sex going to be the same like Mm -hmm. we always hear about you know moms who like can't hold in their pee and everything like that and it's Me. kind of sure <laughs> and i was like your your reaction is that you're embarrassed yes and then you 100%. find out that it's normal 100 percent. yeah i went for almost a year after having our second baby of legit peeing in my pants like and what the heck sure. <laughs> like that's actually ridiculous like thinking back about it now i was like wait trace what you did what for a whole year and you didn't go to the doctor you didn't get help like no because a couple things one like it's embarrassing like i, I think like i probably my husband probably knew because i was probably joking about it like <laughs> oh crap peed my pants again like you know like Aww. i was probably like joking but like I think in my heart, I knew like, oh boy, I can't do this forever. Like yeah. something needs to happen. So, um, of course, I didn't see a doctor, but I, I did because I had my annual like visit with my OBGYN. And at that point, I had brought it up um, and I ended up doing uh, pel- pelvic floor physical therapy, which again, I didn't even realize or think about as a thing. I don't know anything um, about that. No, and I'm, I'm certainly no expert, but I'll let you know that it helped me um, that all of your muscles down there, <laughs> there's a lot. There's um, your bladder and there's your, um, your anus, your, you know, your vagina, like all that's held up by muscles. And my body was not like working together with my mind. My body was in control. I wasn't in control of my body, if that makes sense. So my body was just going to the bathroom when it wanted. And that's ridiculous that I was allowing that. And I wasn't educating myself on how to help myself, right? Because I was embarrassed. It was, it was just too much. So I learned how to do exercises, breathing techniques, um, And like the same way you work out your body and make sure your body is fit and in shape. Um, I had to do that for my pelvic floor, which makes so much sense now. Yeah. But at the time I thought like, well, this should go away. Sure. And you don't (laughs) even think about it. Yeah, Yeah. It's, you know, and I think when things like that happen, like you, you had this every year um, before you, you kind of went to get it looked out. And it, and I think that's, that's where you have to almost find like a sweet spot with like a doctor that you're really comfortable yeah. with. Because I, I remember before I had my like current OB and I just had a primary care physician. She's still great and everything, but it was just like regular checkups here and there. And it's usually like pap smears. And I was like, those are always super, super annoying where you kind of like dread going to them. Cause it's like, who wants to be that vulnerable? And so when you have things like that, I was like, that's kind of like the last doctor checkup that you want to go to mm-hmm. when you like, all right, like we're getting really close today. <laughs> um, no one really cares about doing that, but yeah, ever since I got connected with my OB who delivered Cass and who's been working with me on all of, um, you know, my my pregnancy losses and all of those tests and my surgeries and everything, I joke all the time that I want her to be my best friend because she's just like super supportive, super amazing, and we can like joke. And so I don't mind getting vulnerable with her. I 
I now show her like TikToks of like funny OB related <laughs> things that I find because we've built this really, really comfortable relationship well, so I that think- I can ask her like any questions yes. that could be embarrassing. And she's like super, super nice with it. So I think getting in with a doctor that you're like so comfortable with can I mean, it's health related, so you shouldn't put it off. And then having a doctor that you're super comfortable with can make it that much easier to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. And also, I 100% agree with following some OBGYNs on social media. Oh, they're so funny. It is the best content because just like this conversation, I think, you know, they're all like crusaders for like normalizing stuff like this like conversations like this and also um the few that i follow and maybe this is just weird me i don't know (laughs) but we'll show like kind of graphic videos or um photos of birth and like i've given birth two times do you think i know what it looks like nope that's crazy to think about definitely not i have no idea i know my body did this but i don't actually know like what my body did um and so i usually squint to like look at them (laughs) and a lot of times like especially on instagram they're covered with the like this is graphic content so you really have to be like do i want to see this (laughs) should i make the choice to uncover this i don't know (laughs) but like when i do it i'm always just oh like amazed fascinated like fascinating i have not given my body enough credit like in fact i probably am like like i think oppositely you know like like i looked down on my body um with our first son because i couldn't breastfeed him and then with our second son i couldn't hold my own bladder like i looked at it like oh my gosh look what you know, is going on with me, but really it's like, holy cow, look what it just did. It (laughs) is so cool. I know. And I mean, I've, you know, I've heard it before where people say like women's bodies are amazing. They can like, they, I mean, you literally, your entire skeletal structure can change to accommodate a growing human inside of you. Like Mm -hmm. the whole thing is so fascinating. And yet I think because society kind of like hushes about anything like reproductive related and everything because it's like vaginas are supposed to be sexual they're not supposed to be functional and stuff Mm -hmm. like that where it's like then you you almost feel ashamed to talk about it and then finally as now I'm like 30 years old and I was like screw it I'm a proud woman and I was like my body is cool though what the female body is capable of is like so fascinating where I'm like I'll eat that up I will watch all of those videos and all of those pictures because I'm like my body can do that I mean not when my uterus is defective but usually my body can do that it's so cool yeah and I will say looking at them like also I'm glad I'm not currently pregnant when I look at them yeah they do give me a little bit of like oh oh." that's not easy because it's not easy birthing a human like holy cow anyone who has done it or seen it like has to know that right I think in um next week's episode uh Dr. Williams even mentions that that she's seen like fathers pass out in the delivery room because it's just such a sight honestly it is it is such a sight medically a miracle like huh just crazy and to think we've both done it and then really what did I know about it I mean I knew they were always checking my babies to be you know to be healthy but you know I don't know and maybe your experience is different but did you talk with your OBGYN about like a birth plan or 
did you uh, I feel like I kind of just winged it yeah <laughs> they encouraged me to take classes which I chose not to I I think for my own self I thought I was gonna get scared sure and I just wanted the experience because I felt like I know my body can do this so I'm just going to experience it yeah um I also chose not to take classes and I think it was like my ego at the time being like this is natural I'll be fine um which looking back I I probably could have benefited from it um we did talk about a birth plan a little bit but my birth plan was essentially like I'll be flexible and I was like I would like to try to do it without an epidural but if I decide to make, do an epidural then like I'm also fine with that and I like I, I just wanted my baby to come out safely yeah. so whether I would like to do vaginal but if they need to do a c-section I'm going to cope with that and like that's totally fine um, but then of course I ended up having a really long labor it was like 22 hours um, my water broke oh. first and then and then he was stubborn and he wasn't making any progress. I wasn't dilating or anything like that. Contractions were not effective. So then they had to put me on Pitocin, which made that like super, super painful. And like, I still wasn't progressing. So they had to put me on more Pitocin. And finally I'm like, oh, this is super painful. So then I went down the epidural path and I was very happy with my like birth story because with the epidural, I like literally ended up laughing through delivery because, <laughs> because the pain <laughs> wasn't there anymore I was literally laughing with my OB and we were having oh a grand old time um, so like I mean that was my birth plan was being flexible but I I think it came out of a place of like I really was not prepared because I just thought like yes. oh my body's just supposed to do this and I didn't I should have known better that it's like this is something these are like exercises that you should like learn how to do and stuff like that yes and I, I also kind of feel like that maybe wasn't explained to me when they were like here's some classes sure. like I, I don't know I think maybe the benefits of what you would learn about your own self in those classes and how to take care of you is really important to know. And I yeah. feel like I definitely missed that. Well, and yeah. this also surprised me when I was in the hospital, which these classes might have taught me. And you kind of <laughs> mentioned it when you were talking about your like um, pelvic floor therapy and everything is that there is like one muscle that's controlling all of that down there that can cause like incontinence, incontinence is that the word? Um, but so when you're like in labor and everything, I only know, learned this, that when I would like tell the nurses that like, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. they would get real weird. Um, because apparently like if you feel like you have to poop, they like think the baby is coming because it can feel it has the, the same sensation yeah. that pressure and so and so then a lot of women can also get embarrassed when you talk about like oh you're going through the delivery and like some women poop in delivery and like I still yes. have no idea if I did I legit asked my nurse and I was like I want you to be very honest with me did I poop I just want to know um because I did again I you like it's all just pressure so you don't really know and she just said no and I don't know if she was you lying to me but like <laughs> then a lot of women are embarrassed but it's yeah. like that is a normal bodily function and it's all the same muscles when you are pushing out a yes. baby from your vagina well, and they totally tell you normal. they tell you like bear down like yes. you're gonna push from there yeah I have a friend who doesn't have any kids of her own um but is in like our circle of friends we all have kids and every time we would send a text message of like you know our mother baby was born today here's a picture here's what was born her response every time is did you poop yes. <laughs> every time because it just cracked her up um, and it was so funny because, it's okay to poop you guys yeah. 
Well, she works in healthcare too, so I think for her, again, that's sure. another thing that's just like kind of normalized for her in her line of work, but isn't always for everyone on the outside. So totally funny. Yeah. So, so much that like, in even in hindsight too, like I, um, you know, thought the birth, um, my first experience with labor and delivery, delivery, like I thought was fine until I had a second and like saw the difference in like how much like smoother it was and how like not panicked everyone was like, um, our first, he came out very quickly (laughs) Um, uh, and like just nobody was prepped. Like there was like barely someone there to like catch him. He just like came out in one push was really like, I think I just moved faster than they were expecting. And, and so like, it just felt a little chaotic, but I was like, well, that, that one good. Like he's here, (laughs) he's healthy. Like, you know, I did it. It was, that's how I felt. And then with our second, it was just like, oh, also with our first, it was just my husband and like one nurse, like the whole time. And like, I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. Maybe they just were. I, I feel like my husband has mentioned before that like there were a lot of women giving birth that day. So maybe they were just very short staffed. <laughs> sure. I don't remember that, but maybe they were trying to hide that from me. So I didn't get panicked. But then like with our second, I mean, I just had the best nurse who just like really, really, really took care of me and was like with me. I was constantly being checked on by other nurses, the doctors, like it just felt more like we're going to do this instead of like, oh my God, we're doing this, you know, like, (laughs) so like even just that feeling of like, whoa, I think I, if it would have been reversed, I think I would have been truly panicked if I had that, you know, first experience second, but I was so not in the know. Like I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to do. Like show up and have a baby. And both my kids were, um, Oh, it's the word I'm looking for induced. So like I knew I was going there that day, like that so much of that was planned, but what actually was going to happen there was like (laughs) mystery to me. (laughs) Oh man. There's so much, there's so much that you can learn and keep learning. Like I feel like I have like a breadth of knowledge just from like the past year and there every single day there's still more that I'm learning about different things and so um yeah don't be afraid to talk about your vaginas and your uteruses <laughs> guys we all of us uterus havers um deal with these these same things and it feels yeah. really really nice knowing that you're not the only one going to have through a community yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep it's not true always though to be able to have that you know support yeah totally agree So coming up on next week, so Raquel is going to be asking a lot of hard questions um, and probably things that we really didn't touch on too much, like what about odors? Or how about is sex going to be different after I have Mm -hmm. a baby? Right. Um, How can you reduce anxiety about visiting your OB? Yep. And they're going to talk about nicknames. Nicknames. The nicknames for vaginas. So many. <laughs> yeah, it's a really great conversation. There's so much packed into the 30 minutes that will benefit women. And honestly, guys, it is so entertaining. Yeah, it's um, funny. Um, yes, this is a, Raquel is talking with an OBGYN, and she is just a breath of fresh air. And she makes it really, really entertaining and like not weird to talk about. So don't miss it. 
Thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more Soul Source, just subscribe to our show. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can watch us too. We're on YouTube. Just look for Soul Source. Soul Source is brought to you by Red Shoes Inc., a leading agency specializing in crisis and strategic communications, media relations, social media, and so much more. To learn more about Soul Source and Red Shoes, visit us at redshoesinc.com.